Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. What is good, streaming people? This is Canel and Bell. I'm along with Raja Bell. I'm Tommy Tran. DK out today. And Raja, let's get right to it. We're going to have a lot of NBA to talk about. Rip Hamilton going to be joining us in just a little bit. But before we do, a couple newsy things here, right? And let's start at Ohio State in the college ranks. Chase Young's got his suspension reduced to two games. So missed the Maryland game. Not going to need him for the Rutgers game. Conveniently enough, mm. good to go against Penn State mm. and then Michigan. Yeah, I think everybody kind of got what they wanted out of this um except for chase who probably you know didn't want to miss any games but the ncaa gets to letter of the law you right yeah. he, he he did something that it was illegal uh per their guidelines uh the university um doesn't really miss their star player in games where they need him so they get him back for the for the bigger and better games and so you know the casualty and all of this as it usually is in college sports is the kid but um i think everyone from from a disciplinary standpoint walks away feeling like they they it could have been worse right so everybody kind of wins in that yeah and i know that uh, whether he played or not look he's coming back two games probably well rested for him even if he wasn't going to play the rest of the season we've seen this before nick bosa former ohio state guy sat out i mean our guy ryan wilson said he was still going to be a top two three sure. prospect so really for chase young other than being with some of his teammates, that wasn't going to be a case. But again, uh, the immediate reinstatement from the NCAA, including that decision to be expedited, it happened. And again, on Wednesday, Chase Young, his suspension reduced to two games. Maybe there was talk about four games, but again, it's now down to two. All right, so we go from college to the NFL, where the league is not going to reveal the list of teams uh, interested in Colin Kaepernick. Why, He's going to have a. Why wouldn't you? <laughs> No, I mean, there's like if, so if, many things about this that I have questions about. About a the timing, b again, like you know, first off, let's start with the timing because it's like, why now? Obviously, there was a settlement issue that they had to do, so the settlement issue is over. And it can, to me, it's a little convenient that that now there's this going on. Obviously, some teams need a quarterback, but again, not releasing who because I think that's the biggest thing, right? You allow teams now to go, hey, you come to one place, you come to Atlanta, Flowery Branch. You can say that you didn't have to go out of your way to come, but then the league's not letting you know who's actually going to be there. But we anticipate every team's going to be there. Well, look, my thing is, it, this this seems to be like a a source of of like frustration and maybe even contention for for Kaepernick's camp. Like they want to know prior to going right. who's coming. Seems like you've hamstrung us in this process. Well, you've certainly hamstrung me if I'm Cap because the workout Saturday and you told me on Tuesday. You know, if this was really a, a genuine attempt to get me back in the league, you think you'd give me a week? Right. Like, just a full week. I don't know that that's too much to give ask. time. Let me know who's going to be there. Correct. And then secondly, like, who's going to be there? Before I waste my time showing up and, and you know, nobody's there. So, again, for me, everyone's going to know who's in the building anyway, Tommy. When you have the workout, like, do you think you're going to be able to, to hide who was at the damn workout? Right. You're not going to be able. So everyone is going to know at the end of the day who was there and who had interest in Cap. Giving Cap and Camp, like – the heads up on who who is RSVP to it. I don't see how that's like going to be a, like a, a big deal if you're genuinely uh, doing something uh, uh, for for cap. If that makes sense. 
Yeah, and I just again, I'm confused about the timing and why this whole thing is going down. Now, look, there's a few things if you're saying the reason for this to happen, right? So Cap's about three years removed from playing. He says he's still in good shape. You know, hard to tell exactly how, how he's going to be. But again, there there are more backup quarterbacks playing this year than ever before. All these guys are getting hurt. But then there's always the notion that he was always one of the best 64 quarterbacks anyway. So for him to not even be a backup for obvious reasons of what he was doing on the field, off the field, and now he's coming back with a showcase that, that now we're seeing some executives and some teams are just going to be like, yeah, we're, we're going to be there, but probably not like our top guys. Yeah, I, look, again, it boil, this is a really easy conversation. Um, if every, and I'm not an NFL player, but if every workout um, for free agents takes place on a Tuesday, again, Danny said 99.9% of them do, then caps should be no different. Right, like that's where it starts and ends for me. Like that's the start and the end of the conversation. Right. If you wanted to go further, it would be that you hamstrung everyone with the news that you were going to have. <laughs> Typically, when things like that take place, you know, you give them a week out. Like you give them maybe two weeks, let them prep um, for being able to have their top brass at at a, at a workout like that. Um, so, like for a lot of reasons, to me, it just seems like it's not a genuine thing. And if I were Cap, and I'm not, and I don't have any relationship to Cap, I'd go anyway, right? Because then I could at least put to bed. Any rumors or any notion by anyone out there or any critic right. that I don't want to play football, right? And there, there's been a narrative that's been, you know, propagated by some people that he doesn't really want to play football. Well, if he does, and I don't know unequivocally that he does, right. go anyway. Rifle the ball around the field. If you're in shape, look good doing it. Um, and if people don't show up, then you put the ball back, like, uh, you know, on, on in their court. Like I told you guys, I want to play football. Like I told you guys, there was collusion to some degree. Look at how the NFL hamstrung me with the, you know, with the workout. Nobody showed up. I did. I look, you know what I mean? Like th- then it's the ball's in their court. But if he doesn't show up, you know, what's what they're going to do is they're going to spin it. And you can't beat the NFL. You can't beat the NBA. Like if you're an individual player, you're never beating them. You're never beating them. It's always your, on their terms. Yeah, it's always on their terms. So mm-hmm. if you don't show up, because they didn't have enough scouts or, or RSVP GMs, right. then they're just going to say, hey, he didn't really want to play football in the first place. You know, it's always funny. It's like one of those action movies or, or movies where they, they can get, like, you're going up against the system or you're going against, like, a mob boss or something. Like, I'm not saying if I was a mob or anything, but I'm just <laughs> saying, like, they, they make things difficult for you. Like, they, they'll come and they'll make your, your situation different because we're talking about scripted. It's almost like a glorified pro day, right? It's supposed to be pro. Who's he throwing to? Who are the guys? What chemistry does he have with? Usually it's like, oh, I got my guys in college. Those are great points. We got the numbers. We yeah. got the things. And so again, sources saying he had a list of teams that he thought. And again, there's going to be teams that are in the mix, like the Bears, the Panthers, maybe the Seahawks because Russell will. You know, there's there's teams that you think that Cap can fit in right now. Maybe Baltimore, even though they got Lamar, I'm just saying, in a, in a backup role. And they have out RG3. You go in, you not you don't know. Like, you, you don't know who's going to be there. And then they're going to give you this amount of time, as we mentioned. All the things that we mentioned just seems like a, a script. Usually these are scripted. It comes out of a, a Hollywood script where just all these things are going up against you and all these challenges for you to not succeed. And we'll find out on Saturday again out in Atlanta. Rain or shine. I heard it's pretty cold out there, but they've got some indoor facilities for uh, Kaepernick to do his thing should he do that. All right, moving on. Cam Newton open-minded to uh, – being traded to the Bears, telling Ian Rappaport, a place, by the way, like Chicago, if they're in the market for a quarterback. From my understanding, Cam Newton would, in fact, uh, welcome that if it all worked out. So we're talking about a former league MVP, a guy that uh, is one of the most talented quarterbacks, now injured, though. The shoulder's one issue. This season, though, it's been that uh, Liz Frank injury, sort of that, that, that mid-foot injury that 
hit him in the preseason, hasn't been able to shake it. Your thoughts on what Cam here, going to to a Bears team that has Mitchell Trubisky. Yeah, um, this one's interesting for me, Tommy, because I had never looked at it from Cam's perspective. You know, I'd always, and whenever we're on, we talk about should the Panthers be ready to move on from Cam Newton? Um, should the Panthers decide not to sign Cam Newton back or, or should they trade him? Or, you know, it's always from the Panthers perspective. And, and shame on me because I was, I never, I was a player. I should have looked at it from his perspective. And, and in doing, when, when I read that this morning, the first thing I thought of was, man, maybe, maybe Charlotte, like Cam was over Carolina. Mm. Maybe he was over their franchise. And yeah, no, he hasn't played great. And I've, I've said on air that, like, uh, I think Kyle Allen gives them the best chance to win right yeah. now. That offense is productive with, with him in place. And it's time from the Panthers' perspective to probably move on. But I had never really looked at it from the players' perspective. And I do think you can make a case for Cam saying, you know what? It's been good here. Right. Um, but he, a player can feel when a situation has run its course. Yeah. You don't always have the, the, the leverage. Like, you can't trade yourself. Like, do you know what I mean? When you get a contract and it's, and it's that big and it's from, you're going to take that because you need the security. And then your fate lies in the hands of the franchise. Mm-hmm. So you don't always get the opportunity to say, Hey, my time up, my time is over here. Like, I, I want a fresh start. Maybe he wants a fresh start. I think whatever Cam wants to do, he should do. He's again, a former league MVP taking his team to the Super Bowl. Look, hasn't won it, but he's been the face of that franchise. One thing that's interesting to me though is a couple of things with Cam, right? I think maybe it matters a little bit more in football than it does basketball. We live now in basketball where, where you're changing teams like you're changing your clothes. So right. It's not, you know, being with a team, you know, let's just say Steph stays with the Warriors forever, Clay does forever. That, that holds something because they were, you know, they're warrior guys. But what I'm saying is a couple of things. Like if Cam wants to just be done, I think that's fine. He's done enough and, and he has other aspirations outside that I think he's going to be successful in, whether it's going to be entertainment, music, uh, wants to be an analyst, all that good stuff. Right. The other thing is if he does want a second life, I think he deserves the chance, much like a, a Peyton Manning or even a Joe Flacco, to go to a, a, a team that has at least a chance. Because he's not going to go to a rebuilding situation. Correct. He doesn't got enough left on the tires to do that. So like a Chicago you know, like a Denver, which again, still looking for a quarterback. I mean, there's, there's a handful of teams, much like Kaepernick that we're talking about that could use Cam's skill set. So again, I think, I think it's whatever Cam wants to do. And mm-hmm. I think whatever he decides, whether he wants to stay, wants to play or wants to move on is all good with me. Yeah. No, I hear you. Uh, and I do think he's, de- I think he deserves that too, right? Cause despite his play at times, uh, with the, with the injury and the, and the result of what he looks like as a quarterback after the injury, um, He's been he's been the consummate pro there. Like he's done what he's supposed to do. He's been the face of that franchise. And guys like that, they do earn the right. Um, if if a young buck comes in and kind of takes their place, you would hope that they get an opportunity somewhere else. And I, I think you know your point is a, a good one about the type of team that a quarterback like that or an older player would want to go to. It would be you know a window of opportunity now because it wouldn't match up with your current window of opportunity. Um, I also think that like cities and franchises and his, the historical. Um, you know, Chicago Bears, you know, like I think that would mean something to a guy like Cam. Like Cam is kind of Hollywood, you know what I mean? In a good way. Like I'm not throwing no shade at him, but, you know, like L.A. would appeal to him, I think, for another reason. Uh, But I do think Chicago um, and what that franchise has meant to the NFL and the the opportunity win right away would be would be appealing to Cam. All right. We got a game tonight coming up Thursday night football. It's a division game between the Steelers and Browns. The Steelers are red hot. Yeah. At one point talking about uh, after losing Big Ben that things were going to go south, that they were going to have to 
worry about a top five, top ten pick, but they have come out on fire, and they're taking on a Browns team that had been sliding, then got off the schneid against uh, the Buffalo Bills over the week. Yes, it was not pretty. They, they got it done, but a lot of red zone inefficiencies and things. Baker Mayfield, by the way, talking about the home crowd while trying to be quiet when they're on offense, saying, quote, when we're on offense, we need it to be quiet. It might have ruffled some feathers once again. That's okay. When we're on offense in a critical down, we need to be able to have silence in our home stadium. It's going to be an advantage for us. And when they get the ball, it's going to be really loud. It's, you know, basic football. Uh, Baker, it just seems like whatever he's saying right now, it just ends up kind of, even when they're winning, he's just something to talk about and becoming a bit of a, a target there. Baker just thinks he's better than he is right now. Like that, you just, you're, you do. Like you don't have any equity in the Cleveland market right now to be telling fans how to act at a game. Like you don't, you don't. The only thing you should be standing up in front of a mic and saying is, I need to be better. We need to be better. We're working every day to be better. We're going to get this turned around. I'm not answering any other questions. That's it. You don't need to be commenting on what you need your damn home fans to do. Like they're one step away from burning your damn jersey. Yeah. Like you you don't need to be worried about that. You need to be worried about the Steelers coming up. Like and that continuously like you know and we like to say that Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr and other people there are distractions and they don't have their priorities in order. They've been fine. I haven't seen any of them up there doing anything but playing football. That's it. This cat continuously gets up on in front of a mic and is worried about the wrong stuff. Like you should be worrying about what you have coming up in front of you. Don't worry about the crowd, dog. Don't worry about that. That's not what you're concerned with right now. You're concerned about, you know, dissecting and breaking down what the Steelers are going to do to you defensively and getting another, like, desperately needed win to try to salvage what's left of your season right now. And he he misses that point way too often. It's just hard because they were the, the flashy team in the offseason. Oh, the Browns are going to win the division. They're going to go to the playoffs. They're already anointed as a, a division-winning team. And when things go wrong, and they've gone wrong a lot there in Cleveland, it just all piles on it. I just think sometimes it's tough because, and I don't want to make it, it's not a true correlation, but a little bit of like Kyrie and him in terms of like just just weird comments at weird times and, and deflecting, but he's maybe he's trying to put his best foot forward. It just gets misconstrued, and then it, it just starts going south. Well, I, I would say the same thing to both of them. Like, keep your messages and your comments. Like, you know, this start, like, people are so full of themselves just human beings are so conceited like we are everyone thinks that everyone else wants to hear what the hell they got to say i nobody know nobody gives a damn what i got to say i know that it's my job so i'm gonna get up here and talk but you put a microphone in front of baker Kyrie, or those guys and they swear the whole world like ultimately man nobody really cares so don't get up there and 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 give 1000 opinions about you know your fan base and all of that keep your message to the sport that you're playing specific to you and your teammates and what you need to do if 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 you're not playing well and nobody's going to be sitting at their job i.e. me talking about you not knowing you know how to conduct yourself on a losing team you you understand what i'm yeah. saying danny like you, i mean danny sorry tommy but you, you baker feels the need to go out there and just let it all out right. you don't have to do that correct you can just stand up at the mic and give pertinent information and get out. what's going on and get out of there and I, I don't understand why more athletes don't do it you know i understand you know stars are stars are born at, at, at podiums and microphones and you know sneakers are sold and all of that but but you know if you don't want to get the criticism then don't do it correct and it's the same thing and i know you guys have probably talked about it when the, when mitch trubisky wanted the tvs off at, in chicago 
It's like nobody was complaining when they went 12 and 4 last year and singing their praises and say they were this upstart team and then things start piling on and they don't know how to handle it and they want they want the earmuffs and they blame the media and it's your fault or you never played the game so you don't know it's basic all these things there's 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 underlying things when he goes it's you know basic football he's ripping his fans saying you all don't know cuz you don't have our back what are you doing kind of a thing it's like why look i yeah i mean for a lot of reasons man like even when you're really good and you're Tom Brady and you're the GOAT, do you often hear him come out and throw any shade at the Patriots fans right. in any capacity about anything they do? And anything he says, and, and, and look, even if he me- says it privately, never publicly. But no, I mean, look, privately, we'd, we'd never know. But right. publicly, right. does he ever no. get in front of a mic and never. ever? Mm-mm. No, man, like that's not the way you conduct business. And he would have earned the right with Patriots fans to say whatever he wanted to them. And they would never, ever like turn on him. Yep. But you have not, and and then you're out there doing it. It's just a terrible look. And, you know, as it pertains to the game tonight, because I haven't heard this talked about a lot, what kind of job is Mike Tomlin doing? Mm. And we give it, like, we on our show, like, we, we gave him a little bit of flack last year for that situation. Oh, yeah. Well, you just alluded to them. They're without all kinds of pieces, quarterbacks, running backs, wide receivers, and they're still afloat. Like, you know, I'm not saying they're the best team in the NFL, but you got to get that cat some credit for the job he's doing with that squad. Done a good job. Uh, Minka Fitzpatrick certainly helped as well. By the way, one thing before we wrap up this segment, uh, Freddie Kitchens, if he loses to Pittsburgh, history has not been kind. There have been a lot of uh, Browns head coaches that have been fired after a loss to Pittsburgh. We're talking about Hugh Jackson, Mike Penn, Ron Chizinski, Pat Shermer, Eric Mangini, and Romeo Cornell. So just all, saying, all after a Steelers loss? After a Steelers oh. loss. That's one point in their game. It's the most all-star studded challenge ever. And this time, it's every competitor for themselves. Best challenge ever! The Challenge All-Stars. New season now streaming on Paramount+. Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. It's all good, man. Give it a shot. You know the papers. You've been stuck. waiting too during the break. Ron's like, I want to do this. Damn it. It's all good. We'll get Mulligan. I like baby. I like. All right, I appreciate I like that. It. I appreciate yes. that. Good luck. Good luck. Back here, Canell and Bell, Tommy Tran, Ronja Bell, and Rip Hamilton. Rip, how you doing, man? All good, man. Early morning, man. Early morning vibes. Happy, yeah. ha- happy to join you guys. Show. How do you, how do you feel with the rain in 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 the morning? Like the gray day. You used to seeing the sun in the morning. South Florida, the clouds rolling yeah. late in the afternoon. Yeah, it affects me a little bit, though. I admittedly, I, I want to stay in bed. Yeah, okay. I do. Right, I right, want to stay in bed right. and watch Netflix and don't correct, get up. Correct. You know, hang out at my house. Mm-hmm. I don't want to get out and do any type of movement outside of that. That's yeah. what everyone says up in Seattle because it's always gloomy. <laughs> yeah, I know. But, but you know, we, we get the we benefit. We get it here. Right. Yeah. All right. So let's talk a little hoops, right? Uh, let's start with a couple of games here. A lot of meat on the bone with the Rockets and the Clippers game. So you had a, a situation where the Rockets are up 12 at halftime. Clippers come all the way back, take like a four-point lead. Kawhi was balling out, and then it was all hardened at the end. And there's a lot to unpack with Doc, but we'll do that first. However, let me just start with you right now. Uh, the Rockets playing good ball. No Paul George, obviously, but still a really good Clipper team. Yeah, they've been playing great. I mean, like you said, last night they had an early, you know, cushion having a double-digit lead. 
But I know Raja, me and him both know when you're playing against the Houston Rockets, that 12, 14 point lead is really like six. Just on a simple fact on how many threes they shoot up, how many bad shots they take in transition. But they got guys that are super effective in them roles and can knock down them shots. I thought James was great. I thought he had, I thought that uh, the Clippers kind of bailed him out last night, not putting Kawhi Leonard on him early in the game. Uh, I was very curious on why they didn't put, put Kawhi on him, but you never know. A lot of times, you know, these coaches, they out there playing chess, not checkers. So they're saying to themselves, hey, we might meet up against this team in the playoffs, so we don't want to show them everything. But uh, I thought the Houston Rockets came out and played great. I mean, James Harden with 47 points, his streak he's been on, man, I, he's probably the best one-on-one player in our game right now. Um, I agree with everything you said there. Mike's system – is one, like even when I played in it, where if you were up 17 mm-hmm. and you missed three threes, um, you know, it seven-point game. Yeah. Know, back in the six-point game real quick with the turnover. <laughs> like, so it, it, it can evaporate. It can multiply really quick in your favor, but can evaporate just equally as, as quick. And they come down and they take some crazy shots. Like, Mike is my guy. Yeah. But there are times where, like, I watch those games and it doesn't even look like any offense is being run. They are literally coming down the court and going straight ISO. And not just James Harden. You got Westbrook doing it. Mm -hmm. You got Austin Rivers doing it. Like, my concern for that team, and they're really good offensively, individually, is what happens when Kawhi does guard James Harden and he can't get that off. Or... Like when they play Golden State and they weren't giving James that's you know that, that the free throws that he's used to getting, and you're not running any real offense. Do you know what I'm saying? And that's why I think they struggle in the playoffs. I mean, I can remember even playing against y'all in back in the day right. when y'all had all the weapons y'all had on the perimeter. The one thing that we always said is, hey, you know what? Wait till the fourth quarter come. Like we always felt though that Mike D'Antonio's teams were like front runners. You, right. You gonna get blown out early, and it's all depends on how you are as a team, and don't get overwhelmed by 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 being down. Then you, they'll let you back in, and it shows on their team. And when when James is not hitting shots, and you know they 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 think they have the luxury of having Russell Westbrook now taking on that role that James would have if he's not you know being as as great as he he usually is on the offense end. But I think that's what makes them struggle in the playoffs. I I, I remember Chauncey Billups telling me one time when he was in New York and uh, playing for Mike D'Antonio there, and he said. Hey, you know what? The ball went out of bounds, and I'm looking over at coach to see what out of bounds play that we're going to run. And he said, "Just get the ball in." <laughs> and usually on them type possessions, right there, coaches want to score. They want to score in the first five seconds to see, you know, what type of options you have on the offensive end. But Mike was just like, "Get the ball in, just hurry up and try to get the make make the first basket as possible." Yeah. So we had a situation where Rockets win their fifth straight. James Harden goes for 47, and you guys mentioned it decision from Doc to not put Kawhi on him was Pat Beverly, right? And so Pat Beverly fouls out of the game. Russell Westbrook, by the way, also had four <laughs> fouls in the first quarter. Yeah. He had some comments about Pat Beverly D'ing up the beard, or trying to at least. Pat Bev trick y'all, man. Like, he played defense. He don't guard nobody, man. Just running around doing nothing. It's not... As you've seen, what happened 47. All that commotion to get 47. Russ had a, had a good wow. sideline seat. He, was, he had to sit out the first quarter. It was on the, obviously at the second half, but uh, calling out Pat Beverly. Well, look, I mean, I like Russ. Russ is my guy. I'm, I mean, even when everybody <laughs> else, you know, takes their shots at Russ, I defend because I love, I love his style. I love the way he plays. I disagree with him here, though, just because 
you know, when you when you are a Patrick Beverly, and I, I was Patrick Beverly to some degree, like you have to be annoying as hell. Like you have to, and there's a backstory with Patrick Beverly and, and Russell Westbrook, right? Like Patrick yeah. Beverly, Russ says he injured him, right? So there, there's there's already some animosity there. But my job is to get you on tilt. It's to try to annoy the heck out of you and and you know physically take shots at you to where you can't be as good at the job. Um, as you should be. And that ultimately can result in my team maybe getting a win. The other thing I would say to that is there have been nights where I felt like I did a really, really good job. And you know, it's, they say it all the time, good O beats good D. I like, agree. Good O is going to win in the NBA. Yes. You, I could do everything right on a particular possession to Richard Hamilton. I could play him exactly how I want to play him, get on his hip, ride him out. I could get a show from the big. I could be right underneath him. And if he raises up before I raise up to shoot that J right here, yeah. all I could do is put a hand in his face, and then it's just whether he makes it or misses it. You know, So, number one, you got to be annoying to be that kind of defender. And number two, man, you could play great D and still get 50 dropped on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, he, and he's a guy that, you know, when he came into this lead, he was a defender. Like, he didn't come – come to this lead and say, all right, I'm going to try to play like everybody else. I'm just going to try to shoot threes. I'm going to try to be a great ISO uh, offensive player. Right. He understood his role. And I have to agree with Raja. Man, I, I, I don't, do not think Patrick Beverly's defense is fool's gold at all. I think once he, get, once he gets out there, he's willing to do stuff that most NBA guys won't do, right? I think every guy on the offense end, we want to, we want to, we want our space. We want to feel comfortable out there. And the thing that we hate is when a guy gets in our space and when mm-hmm. a guy gets underneath us and hits us with little cheap shots and, and things like that. And I used to do it at times, you know, especially when I played against other great players. Like, for instance, like Dwayne Wade. Dwayne Wade was such a great offensive player. He played at his own pace. He was able to get anywhere on the floor, but. He never talked trash. He was just all about business. Just come out, play, you know, playing against him, playing, playing his game, trying to be productive, whatever. So I would try to talk trash, get up underneath him, trip him every now and then, hit him with a little cheap <laughs> shot, you know, just to try to get him out of his game because I knew that that was going to be a difficult job for me to try to stop him because he's going to get his 30. I just want to try to get him out of his game and so he can play a little out of character. That way, instead of him, you know, going 11 for 14 for 28, he's going, you know, 5 for, for 20 and maybe only get 18 to 20. Well, look, that see, that's the that's the point um, that I try to make to a lot of people regarding yeah. defenses. I can't, I can't stop it, <laughs> right? Like, especially when you're the guy, yes. right? Like, D-Wade is going to touch it every single possession mm-hmm. it's not like when you're guarding me and i'm gonna touch it every fifth possession like you can do a hell of a job with that but d-wade call me what all that? the time like bro mike you need to run a play for me bro i am i am over here thirsty um but they're gonna touch it every possession stopping that uh with the offense that these guys play is not an option like you don't stop james harden what you can hope to do is really affect their field goal percentage mm-hmm. you know and and how efficient they are because that could throw the whole game out of whack for for their team Mm -hmm. one thing that's going to be interesting for me to watch this clipper team this season is just sort of how doc navigates the combinations because look they're going to get Paul George back. We anticipate tonight against New Orleans. So you got a plus defender, one of the most elite guys in the league there. Then you got Kawhi. So you're going to have moments when they're both on the floor. But there's going to be nights where if they do, especially if they have a back-to-back, where you have PG playing one night and you got Kawhi playing the other, you're not going to play both of them on back-to-back. So, so Beverly's still going to have those responsibilities, guys. But I think it's going to be really interesting how Doc sort of manipulates and, and integrates sort of the, the Kawhi, PG, and then obviously his other guys like Beverly there at his disposal. Um, that, well, that's going to be a fluid, um, like conversation and it's going to be a fluid experiment. They're going to try to figure out what they can do to stay afloat when a guy needs to miss a night. What I would say to doc and I like just watching his team, um, 
you need to hang your hat on defense. And yes. it doesn't appear that everyone in that building is mm-hmm. like buying into that philosophy right now. Like now, now getting Paul George back will help a lot because that's another that's one of your better two way players in the NBA. But you know they looked like it against the Lakers in the first yes, game. Yes, they did. Right, they were fired up. You could feel the energy coming through the TV screen, or if you were at the game, you could probably feel it in the air. Um, but every game I've watched them after that, the defensive effort doesn't look like it's it's like palpable i can't feel it yeah and that's the way they got to play that would have been the brilliance of them on paper for me coming into the season is damn boy what are you going to do when they got paul george Kawhi leonard um um you know pat beverly um and and the you know the switching that they can do and they can be up underneath yeah. taking that space away and i don't know that they're playing like that right now and i think I, and, and i think the biggest thing is is with Kawhi sitting out you know first game he started you know energy in the building we knew we knew that he is probably the best two two way uh, ball player in our game, and when you sit him out at times, you know, like before, I think the Clippers was good last year, but I don't think they walked around with that type of arrogance that saying that all right, every time we step on the floor, we're going to blow you out, right? You know, with Kawhi Leonard, I think they walk around with that arrogance, but when Kawhi is not there, I think they play a little different than how they usually play when he's on the floor. So now adding uh, Paul George will be a great addition for them because I just think that his personality fits with them. You know, it's not like the Houston Rockets when you got Westbrook and James Harden and now you're trying to figure out the personalities. Like, all right, you know what? You got two alpha males here and they both want the ball and they want to both do everything on the floor to help their team win. Paul George and Kawhi Leonard are two players that's coming in and say, hey, whatever you need me to do, I'm going to do. But I know it starts on the defensive end. And maybe that's what Doc says, because if you're saying, you know, if they're maybe for whatever reason tuning out Doc or not buying in, you have your teammates to keep you accountable with Kawhi and PG-13 on the floor, right? Yeah, and I don't I don't know that, like, Doc's not preaching, and I don't know that they're not buying in. I think, you know, it's early in the yeah, season. Yeah, not seen. Um, and you, you may have just kind of relaxed on the defense. Yes. You know, sometimes, like, Rip can attest to this. You, you think you're doing something. Let's say we're on the road, I don't know, five-game road trip, right? We got, I don't know, eight days, nine days on yes. the road. Um, we, we defensively lack in the first the the, first, the last game at home so now this is a six game sample <laughs> you really feel like you're going well until you get in that film session and coach is like look let me show you clips from the last six games and you're like everybody got their hood on yeah, nobody wants like, to look oh, at the damn, film and everything else so it may just be one of those <laughs> things where it's a it's a relatively small sample size of games because they've only got what 10 played and maybe they've just taken their foot off the gas. I don't I don't know that they've tuned him out or they're not buying okay. in. They're just not doing it right now. All right, we're going to take a look at the top teams of us. But before we do, guys, the end of that Rockets and Clippers game with Doc and Austin, Austin and Doc. It happened at the end of the game. Doc getting teed up once and twice because he thought there was a timeout issue <laughs> there. Uh, Rip, I'll start with you, man. You looking at this stuff, what are you thinking right now between that? And then you see in the background, Austin's like, hey, tee up pops, do it. Let him have it. That looks like rip coaching. I, I know, I know. I, I bet you I know what Doc is saying to himself right now. He said, next time, son, every time you get in the game, uh, now I'm going to throw a double team at you. I'm not going to rotate off you. You know, because me and my co- me and my uh, trainer was talking about that last night. Anytime you're coaching against your son, right, uh, are you saying to yourself, all right, you know what, I'm going to let him do work. On yeah, let him end. live a little bit. You know, let him live. I'm not going to put him in a scouting report. I'm going to say let him shoot, <laughs> you know, knowing that he can shoot just right. so, you know, he can have a, a great game. But that was fun to see right there. You know, seeing that the relationship between father and son out there and Austin out there telling the referees, give him a technical foul. I mean, you know, he knows him better than anybody else, you know, being, you know, at home with him, seeing your father coach you with the Clippers for all them years. But I just thought that was a great moment for for the lead right there, just to seeing the interaction between father and son. Yeah, that was kind of fun. 
It was, it was, yeah. kind, of fun. It was kind of fun. I, I mean, look, I, I thought about them a lot because I was like, you know, <laughs> I wonder what the, the relationship is. You never yes. know. Um, but he looked, took care of him with the Clippers. Yes, like, he did. Really looted him. I but agree. But they traded him. To like watch, but he got paid though. He got paid though, got paid. right? Like, that's what it's about. you know, ultimately, what I le- was left feeling was like, that's got to be a really complicated thing when your dad is um your coach, yes. um at that level and yes. is responsible for like either keeping you or or shipping yeah. you and so on and so forth, you know. But that moment was really cool. Are, it was are, funny. Are you are you uh trading your son or what are you doing, man? I'm trying to get out of business to coaching my sons. You know that very okay, well. Okay, okay. Difficult, it's but but when you're the only one there, you're the only coach slash GM, and you and everybody else is kind of like throwing the towel on him. Are you signing him? Yeah, you know you gotta take care of you. Absolutely, take care of family, you better. <laughs> All right, we're following a little bit of breaking news here on CBS Sports HQ. Pittsburgh Penguins captain Sidney Crosby, successful core muscle surgery, but it's going to miss at least six weeks. The 32-year-old leading the team in scoring with 12 assists and 17 points as the Penguins kind of middle of the pack of the Metropolitan right now. Again, Sidney Crosby to miss about six weeks. We'll have more coming up. CBS Sports HQ, top of the hour. Back to the NBA, guys, and we're talking about sort of the West Power Rankings. I do want to button up the Clippers real quickly before we do here. Paul George tonight, again, expected to make his Clipper and season debut at the Pelicans. What are your expectations tonight? Well, I think that, you know, that he's already coming to a great situation because they're already a great team. So it's not it's not like they're on a five-game losing streak and your best player now comes back and now you need him to do so much to for you guys to win. I think that Doc is a veteran coach. He, he he coached a lot of star players in this game, and he understands, all right, you know what, I don't need to get 40 minutes from Paul coming mm-hmm. back tonight. You know, so it, it'll probably be something where he comes in, plays 20 to 25 minutes. You know, they'll run the offense through him, make sure that, you know, he gets his reps, you know, on the on the offense end. But like I said, it all depends on if Kawhi plays tonight. They, I guess they're saying that he don't play back-to-back, so he's not going to play. So I think it's a great situation for the Clippers because they don't need him to win. So he knows that even though he was a three, what third in MVP votes last year and did so much uh, last year, but this season, I, I, he his expectations of him, you know, carrying the team is not what the Clippers need. Mm-hmm. This is a it's a marathon, right? It's not yes. a sprint. And so you just want to see him. You want to get him some in game time. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, you want to make sure he's healthy coming out of that. You want to see him start to get sharp. So I would throw him some 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 extra balls yeah. his way. Let him get a few extra touches. Um, but it wouldn't be imperative for him to go out there and try to score 35 and win a game. I don't need him looking like an MVP now. I just yep. need him and and Kawhi and, and the team to be clicking yes. as we come down the stretch. One thing that the Clippers did in the offseason, obviously getting guys like Kawhi and Paul George without having to really mortgage a lot. Yeah. Can't really say the same thing across town with the Lakers. They mortgaged a lot to get their guys to get LBJ some help. So when we talk about the Lakers right now, obviously they, they took care of the Warriors, which everyone's doing these days. But uh, AD's been balling out, although he fit, says he feels pain in the, the shoulders every time he gets out on the field. But right now they're sitting at nine and two. They're looking pretty good. Uh, yeah, the Lakers are looking better than a bot. Look, I picked the Lakers. Um, I think there's a you small did. group. I, I picked them, but but I mean, I'm not ready to say that they'll definitively win it. I still think they can. But I will say this is looking better earlier than I thought it would. You know, LeBron's yeah. team sometimes takes some time to gel. That's the early in the season. Yeah, of course. And I didn't really know how AD and LeBron were going to mesh in terms of their skill sets, mm-hmm. trying to figure out who they were going to play through. Um, they look better earlier than I thought. And, you know, defensively, they're the best in the league defensively. That's crazy. I never, I never expected great. that. Yeah, defensive mm-hmm. efficiency is great. I didn't expect that yeah. either. But, you know, the, the concern that I had about them was the three-point shooting. They're 27th in the league shooting the three. The only thing for me that kind of remedies that 
is if you are locked down on the defensive end, yeah. right? And they are that. So they're balancing it, you know, pretty well. I would say this, and I don't – like, Rip, I'd be interested to hear you. I think there have to be some concerns, and I'm not saying that that he's going to be injured like a, a lot this year, but you have to have some concerns about AD. At least I do. Yeah. Personally, uh, he's injured a lot, and typically, like even when he was with New Orleans, it would start like that. Yeah. Right. It a little would start injury, and then it would be like he's out for two months. Yeah. No, I, I I would have to agree with that. I think health is a big thing for the, for for the Los Angeles Lakers. One with Anthony Davis, like you said. I mean, can he play? You know, in big moments and real physical games, especially when you know you need him to be productive, mm-hmm. especially in the playoffs, because mm-hmm. it's going to be a lot of grabbing, holding, and you, you, everybody's hurt during that time, and you just hope, hopefully, that one of them little knickknack injuries don't linger, you know, all season long, and then all of a sudden it's something serious. But LeBron James too can can he stay healthy? I just feel like his usage rate is just way too high right now. You know, with him playing the point guard situation, uh, and he doesn't believe in sitting out games right I, I i believe that you have to when you're 35 years old and you played as many minutes uh that that he has played and you're playing the point guard position yeah and i just think that that eventually is is going to wear him out and i i can remember when he when uh, you know when he was in cleveland and that was the one thing i, I said to t lou one day i said hey you got to pull him you got to put him on the sideline don't allow him to play a game or two just so, you know, because he's judged on how many championships sure. he, he wins. And T. Lou was like, Rip, he don't want to come out. <laughs> he don't want to come out the game. He don't want to take plays off. And that's great because, you know, you always hear about some of the great players saying taking no days off, you know, every time. But come on, man, this is LeBron James. Yeah. Like, a lot of people, a lot of players that play this game haven't done what he's done when it comes to playing basketball. Going to the finals as many years as he's been going to the finals, playing USA basketball and and things like that. But the biggest thing that I'm impressed with the Los Angeles Lakers is defense, defense side of the ball. And I was looking through their roster uh, last night, and it was a a little clip that came up, and it was saying that how many guys on their roster that they had on the all uh, defensive team. You know, like like then I said, oh my goodness, like why am I worrying about it when you already got five guys on this team that was right. on, on, on one of the all defensive teams. So I think that, you know, they have the personnel, you know, I think they have the right uh, amount of veterans on your team because you need veterans to win, especially in the playoffs. But uh, can they stay healthy? And it, it has to be either AD or, or LeBron James. Yeah. The, the health is paramount, uh, especially, you know, with that team. Um, Cause they're not super deep yes. uh, to begin with. I do. I, I gave Mike Tomlin a little bit of love. I got to give Vogel some love there, too, because, yes. you know, when he was hired, you know, I was out there saying T. Lou was the only guy for the job. Yeah, and I do think T. Lou would have been really good for the job. Yep. But specific to defense, like, you know, his Pacer teams that were good, what'd they do? Yeah, they they, 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 defend, they, they defend. And they were scrappy. Right. They and got up under you. Right. Yep. And so while they have the personnel and those guys are obviously great defenders, I do got to give him a little bit of credit because it seems like that's kind of his style of play. And yeah. it's, it's rubbing off on the team, or at least they're buying into it. LeBron James through the first 10 games for the Lakers, four triple-doubles. He's averaging, I think, north of 35 minutes per game. He wants to play if healthy. One thing for me, I think, is, is something that I'm going to be looking out for with the Lakers team is Kuzma, right? Yeah. Because he kind of struggled a bit as the two guy last year with LeBron James. Now he gets to kind of be the three, but we talked about 
maybe nights where he's got to have to jump into the two again because AD's maybe not going to be there. LeBron's going to take some time off. It'll be interesting for me. And he's coming off injury too. Played the summer, you know, had that had that issue. I think Kuzma's going to be a, a big piece for them to kind of be that solid, at least solid number three with potential to be two on some nights. Well, I would agree with you, Tommy. Um, and I would. I, it's kind of a question. But it's it's like a statement, I guess. Too. I want to hear your reaction to it. Like if, like Kyle Kuzma. Um, a year or so ago, we were talking about like star, you know, potential star. Um, and, and not me. Well, okay, not okay. you. But I mean, like that—that that was that—that that was the conversation, yes. right? There yes. was potential there, right? And so, when you got a guy like that, if he is going to wind up being a star, yeah. we can't be having the conversation about LeBron has to do everything from the point guard spot because if he is a young star, do you know what you should be able to do with him? You should be able to get him coming off some horns action or something and ice him on the side. Like yeah. he should have that ability. So, you know, the, the Lakers have the luxury of saying, all right, we can take a little bit of the load off of LeBron in yeah. terms of usage rate because we got this young kid over here um, that can kind of, you know, facilitate and get his own um, when he needs to. And I don't know that he's taking that. He's taking that step yet. Yeah. And as a number three, like Cleveland, for instance, you know, when I was there with them, well, you had LeBron, you had Kyrie. And guess who you had at that number three? Yeah. Kevin Love, who was yeah. more than capable if you gave him the ball <laughs> Absolutely. of going to work, yes. you know? And so I think – that he needs to take that next step to be able to to remedy some of the things that we're talking about. Like, yeah, yeah. You know? I th- I, th- I thought Kuzman was. I know a lot of people thought that he can be the next superstar. I mean, it's a lot, man. When people start oh, yeah, labeling that's... people as the next superstar, you know how hard it is. Yeah, that's to a be rare a error. superstar. Right. And, and our lead is a lot of talented talent, but I I do think he's a great second or third, you know, option. Mm-hmm. He kind of reminds me of what we thought of Andre Kadala early in his career when he was in Philly, right? He got he had all the gifts, super athletic, can play on the ball, can defend, can hit clutch shots when he played with Allen Iverson. Then Allen Iverson left, and then it was Andre Kadala's team. And then everybody expected him to make that next jump. But I don't think that was his personality. I think Kyle Kuzman, yes, he has a lot of gifts. I mean, he's one of the better guys, especially moving without the ball, uh, getting in transition, mm-hmm. making shots. But he's not an ISO guy, right? I mean, can you turn into an ISO guy? Uh, yeah, but, you know, but I always say them guys come in with that it factor right. from day one. You already like, know. Like Gilbert Arenas, when he came into the league, he he had that it factor. It was just all about him being able to showcase it. Right. And I don't think Kyle Kuzma is that, but I do think he's a great team player. Okay, so then then maybe what, what I'm saying, because I, I, I agree with you, right? Yeah. Like not everyone's going to be an ISO not guy. Everybody. Even if you're a good number three. Like Clay's yes. not an ISO guy. No, right? not at all. But he's not a great a... number two, number three. Yes, so, I agree. So then maybe that's on the coaching staff or 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 the brain trust there to say, you know what? Um, while LeBron has a high usage rate and this is how he likes to do it, and AD is going to be second to eat, and this is how he likes yeah. to do it. If we need to get some workload off of LeBron, yes. we need to run this kid off of some stuff to get him some some real quality touches where LeBron doesn't have to work for our offensive possession. I, I totally agree. And and you have to showcase that in the regular season. Right. Like, you can't wait for that. You can't say, all right, we're going to play 82 games and we're going to play through LeBron James and Anthony Davis. You just can't do that, especially when you got a talent like Kyle Kuzman because the jury's still out on him. Can he be that next star right. in Los Angeles? Everybody has that type of expectation. But you got to allow him to showcase that. You got to be allow him to say, all right, you know what, Kuz, I need you since LeBron now has moved to the point. I need you to go out there and give me 20 shots a game. I need you to average 20 on a consistent basis. I need to run the offense through you, you know, for a couple minutes during the game. 
and they haven't done that. Yeah, you got to let him just, grow. He's just a, another player that's playing with LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Yeah. All right, so we got to take a break. But before we do, kind of have a consensus, Clippers and Lakers at the top. Just give me, after 10 or 11 games, give me the team in the West right now, right the next tier, right with the L.A. teams. I just need a team. Uh, I would have to say the Houston Rockets. Okay. Jazz. Okay, Rockets and Jazz. All right, home stretch time. Canell and Bell. We're at Hamilton, Raja Bell, and I'm overdressed for this segment, but I got HQ coming up. So uh, we're talking about the Balbonic Plague, something I just learned today, guys. And Rip hadn't heard of never it. Never even and, heard of it. Uh, it? Producer Joey, it. he's going to explain it because I don't, I don't want to botch so. this. So, Joey, why don't you come on so, here and tell us a little yeah, about so it? So this is something that has become a phenomenon on NBA Twitter. It's essentially, they've dubbed it the Balbonic Plague. It's essentially at the end of a quarter, end of a game, when there's a second or two discrepancy between the game clock and the shot clock, and you can't just dribble out the, the clock, the shot clock's going to expire. You hold it, you hold it, you hold it until there's about a second left in the shot clock, and then you give it to your teammates so they get the turnover instead of <laughs> And it's, it's happening all over the league. I wanted to know, did you guys ever fall victim to the Balbonic play? You could see these. Well, we're going to roll some of these clips here from some of these, some of these games. Guys, go ahead and roll them. We can, uh, see, they can see them. Uh-huh. What do we got? We oh, got at the four. end of okay. the game. Two. Oh, oh take that. Oh, the quarter. Yep. Oh, just oh. Took... <laughs> put it on the stat sheet. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's great. Take that. He rifled it over to him. Be like, watch, watch. These guys know what's happening. Watch Jackson Hayes' reaction here at the end. Yep. Uh, Five on the shot, eight on the game clock. And then go ahead and flip it. Dump him. it. Whoop. Oh. <laughs> 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 so that's considered a turnover. I didn't even know that was considered a turnover. Yeah, shot, yeah, it's clock, a shot clock violation. violation. Oh, the shot clock going down. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Now, I listen. I had the ones rip where like you might give it to me. I'm not gonna shoot that last three from like half court. Me too. That, yes, I don't yes, want that on yes, my three point yes, percentage. Yes. <laughs> and Joey, I didn't really care if I turned the ball over or not. I, right, I, yes, I never, I never right. looked at that on the stat sheet to see how many turnovers I had. But definitely during it, at the end of the game, so, when well, when someone gave me the ball to try to so get that shot. So watch this one. So th- there may be a cure to it here. This watch Chris phenomenal. Clemens here at the end. There may be a cure to the Balbonic Plague. Chris Clemens is like, nah. <laughs> You're a turnover, <laughs> sir. Yeah. <laughs> Whose turnover is that? Because it did touch him. Like, Hit him in the it's stomach, the but passer, he didn't. Right? This is yes. great. Dang, so this has been coming out on the NBA. Who is that with the I hair know. on the bottom? Who is that? That Kobe White? Kobe, yeah, that Kobe, Kobe, Kobe White. Yeah. Boy, yep. got a head of hair, don't he? Oh my goodness! Yeah, that 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 right there, the ball bonic plague. Like I never paid attention to it because really I didn't care if I turned the ball over. I was worried about my field goal field percentage. goal percent. It's funny how different stats mean stuff to different players. <laughs> right. I gave no crap about no turnovers. Absolutely. Like that was of no interest to me. If we were point guards, maybe right. You know, because you know your your turnover to assist ratio. But, no, nah, I didn't really care about that at all. All right, we got to wrap things up. we got under a minute left to go. We didn't get a chance to talk about the Celtics, which you guys will talk about tomorrow. I'm going to throw one more thing before we go there to, to tease tomorrow's show. Bigger surprise, Celtics nine wins or Andrew Wiggins off to a hot start? Ooh. Oh, Andre, I mean, Andrew Wiggins. I would say that because I think a lot of people expected this him uh, of him early in his career. Yeah. Like, you know, everybody thought that, hey, man, sometimes he's sleeping at the wheel. He comes down there. He's not always engaged. But – has all the talent in the world. I'm going with uh, Andrew Wiggins. Man, that's a cool story. If he's just a late bloomer and yes. this is who he's going to be, I am. I am going to take. I'm going to take the C's though, just okay. because I had kind of. Um, I didn't write them off, but I didn't know they were going to be a nine and one good. I do still think 
they're in a tier right below Milwaukee and and mm. the Sixers. I don't know why because their record doesn't suggest it, but they've been the biggest surprise for me. At least they're showing that there's more than two teams in the East. We yes, and that's right? good. Yeah, it's good right. for basketball. How for about sure. that for a deep tease for Friday? <laughs> Rip Hamilton, Ron Bell, I'm Tommy Trey, and more HQ coming up. We'll see you. You can now relive the best moments of the UEFA Champions League 24-7. The UEFA Champions League channel is a new 24-hour streaming channel serving non-stop goals, highlights, and full match replays from the world's most prestigious club competition. Reminisce on your favorite moments, legendary players, and brilliant goals with the UEFA Champions League channel, streaming around the clock on Pluto TV and the CBS Sports app.